good morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of James, chapter 5, verse 11. As we begin uh, this Sunday morning, I want to look back a little ways, and I want to talk about Job, because right now, all across the world, people are discouraged. People are ready to give up. With all the vaccines and all of the COVID-19 and all the world's problems, people are just ready to give up. But I want to talk to you this morning about Job, the power of patience. I wonder out there how many of you have a problem with patience. I wish I could see your hands. I know that I do. And the rest of you are probably lying if you say you don't. I think some people get credit for having great patience and, and in reality, they just don't have the nerve to get anything started. You know that you're impatient when you find yourself waiting for your microwave to hurry up to heat up your coffee in the morning. Do you get impatient mixing your instant coffee? How many of you do that? How many of you grit your teeth at night? You have a problem with patience. Have you thought about renting a jet to get your running around done? I'm not saying that my family and I have, have eaten at fast food restaurants so often lately, but, but the other day I found myself ordering into my mailbox and driving around the house to pick up my order. Glory to God. We need to take a look at Job and the power of patience. We are an impatient generation. We have computers, fax machines, call waiting, and beepers, <laughs> and sky, sky pagers, and, and smartphones, iPads. We're all very impatient people, this generation. The impatient factor has even come into the house of God. When people bow their heads to pray, they get so so rushed, lifting their their heads back up, they suffer whiplash, whoosh, and it's over. And they say, I hope God heard that. We have McDonald's, why not McChurch? Millions are being served, few are being fed. That's happening in many churches today. They have Skype, they have Zoom, services rather than in-person services and they expect the Holy Spirit to work with this technology Isaiah said they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength say that with me they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength some of you need to slow down smell the roses the last time many of you smell the roses they came from a can of Glade or from your car's freshener. In James chapter 5, verse 11, if you have it, read it with me. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercies. I've heard of the patience of Job all my life. And I'm tired of hearing about the patience of Job. People say, who was Job? No one knows. When did he live? No one knows. 
What was his race? No one knows. Where did he live? The Bible says the land of Oz. Well, where is that? No one knows. Why? Because God wanted once and for all to establish our man on the face of this earth who was a universal man, a universal person, a, a person whose, whose fortitude and divine patience, which is endurance in itself, would establish forever, listen, forever a benchmark for true grit. What a person can go through when they hold to the hand of God. I want you to listen to the story of Job, because if you didn't, if you don't need it today, you're certainly going to need it very, very soon in this country. You're going to find yourself somewhere in this story, in the story of Job and the power of patience. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord or here on this broadcast. And let us learn today from the lessons of Job. Let us learn of the power of patience. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So let's take a look at Job's resume. The Bible says that Job was perfect and upright. <coughs> I know that there's a lot of you out there that think that you're perfect. But that's the reality. Is there anyone else that can say that? We have a couple of, of, of hands here going up. And you folks will probably be translated by the end of this sermon. You see, you've seen that, that, that sign that says, I thought I made a mistake once, but I was wrong. And then there's that country western song that says, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. How many of you out there listening today know people like that? I see that, <laughs> I'll bet a lot of you wives are, are, are saying, yeah, I know somebody just like that. And probably some of you husbands as well. The Bible says Job was one who feared the Lord and hated evil. Now, I want you to know, take note here that those last three words, he hated evil. Paul wrote in Hebrews 1 and 9, You that love the Lord in righteousness hate inequity. Therefore, the Lord has anointed you with the oil of gladness. David said in the Psalms, You who are righteous hate the evil things. What you need to understand today as children of God is that hate laws are being drawn up as we speak laws that in the in the near future will send groups preachers to jail when they speak against godless lifestyles that's happening right now the bible says to hate to resist to stand against every evil thing yet laws will be passed in this country that will jail any person who preaches the gospel against secular human humanism and those lifestyles if you are a cocaine or a crack head and and i preach against it from this pulpit i might be going to jail because i'm infringing on your right to live your new lifestyle and can be jailed for it 
It's going to be interesting being a Christian in the near future. Now, thirdly, Job was enormously wealthy, and he was a friend of God. Pray be that each and every one of us one day will be able to stand before the throne of God and be said that we were the friend of God. He had the lifestyle of the rich and famous. Hundreds of thousands of sheep whitened the floor of the Green Valley. 500 yoke of oxen, 500 mules plowed his fields, 3,000 camels carried his import products to the marketplaces around the world. His wealth was, was beyond measure. Unlike many of today, Job never forgot that the secret of wealth is giving. The Bible says the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. Say that with me. The Bible says the Lord loveth a cheerful giver, but he'll take from a grouch as well. The Lord loveth a cheerful giver, to which I will add that he will take from a grouch. The Bible says it is the Lord that gives you power to get wealth. The secret to wealth is giving, the Bible says. Give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Glory to God. The Bible says everything God controls gives. The sun gives light. The plants gives food. Rain gives water. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The fact is that many will not live in abundance because the cancer, that demon of greed, has destroyed the, the spirit of giving. They have stolen God's tithes. And offerings. They have placed their personal pleasures above Christ. They will not give their time. They will not give their love. They will not give their worship to Him. <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore, God, who controls the eagle who flies through the pathless air, <coughs> excuse me. Therefore, the God who controls the sum of the moon and the stars. Therefore, the God who controls every breath you breathe and every nickel you made reaches over and simply turns your prosperity off. Because those things, those who will not give, never know God's abundance. They say... That the day will come in eternity when all you hear is what you gave to God. Some people need to get God off of their charity list and put him on your payroll. He has given you all things. And it's time that we gave back to God freely and with joy. The good things <coughs> he has given to us. Forgive me, it's kind of dusty in here. Now, fourthly, as we look at Job, the power of patience, Job was a praying father. He had seven sons and three beautiful daughters. And even though he was fabulously wealthy, a multi multi-millionaire, the Bible says, he ceased not, ceased not to pray for his sons and daughters. And the Bible says Job's words, it may be that my sons and have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. 
They did literally say it with their mouths, but they had an attitude that was ungodly in their hearts. And the reason our children are in the streets of America today, homeless, with guns, the reason our children in America are snorting cocaine and smoking crack and marijuana, the reason they're <coughs> dying of all kinds of diseases and experimenting with perverse sexuality, the reason our jails are full of quote-unquote good kids is that godly families have forgotten to pray for their children. I wonder today, do you let your child go out of your house without laying hands upon that child and praying for their safety and their welfare? Because so-called godly Christians have forgotten to pray for their kids. Fathers have persuaded, preferred prophets and power rather than prayer. They have persuaded pleasure, pursued, excuse me, pleasure rather than purity. They have provided position and not divine principle. If we are going to take our children and grandchildren back from drugs, booze, AIDS, the occult, the new age, this new sexual revolution, if we are going to take our children back from the rebellious, vile sewer of secular America and around the world, then we are going to have to get our heads out of the sand and fall to our knees and pray God save our children and grandchildren. Somebody give God praise and glory this morning. Just lift your hands up to heaven. Nobody's going to see you. You're in your house. Lift your hands to heaven and give, give a shout of amen to the Lord this morning. Praise God. Then I want you to notice Job's encounter with evil. Job 1 and 7, God says to Satan, Whence cometh thou? And Satan says, I've been going to and fro in all the earth looking for whom I can devour. I'm looking for good marriages that I can devour. I'm looking for a church to destroy. I'm, I'm looking for children to conquer. I want you to get this square in your mind this morning. This conversation is taking place in heaven right now. Ephesians 6, Paul says, our warfare is in the heavenlies. Say that with me. Our warfare is in the heavenlies. Satan is not locked up in hell, as some of you may think. He's in the heavenlies, and your prayers must pass right through his bedroom. That's why you must pray with authority of Jesus Christ. We end our prayers in Jesus' name. That's, that's placing the authority of Jesus Christ on that prayer. And we pray with the blood covering of the cross. God then says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there may be none, none likened to him on all the earth? And Satan, who is, in the, is the master of slander, comes back with this response. Does Job serve God for nothing? He did not make a, a direct accusation, but he made a, a very slanderous insinuation. Does Job serve God for nothing? He's questioning Job's motives. Slander is an art. 
the slander the slander is a man or a woman who murders another person's reputation not directly but indirectly he or she is a killer of good names and we have many of those many of those kind of people the slander is a child of hell whose mission is to slander the righteous before god Satan's assignment, who is called the accuser of the brethren, is to accuse the righteous before God. And if you accuse a brother or a sister before anyone of this earth, you are simply doing the work of the devil himself. And you need to stop it now. You need to stop it right now. Gossipers, whisperers, slanderers will have their place in the lake of fire. So says the Bible. Satan's assignment who is called the accuser of the brethren, is to accuse the righteous before God. And if you accuse a brother or a sister before anyone on this earth, you are simply doing the work of the devil himself, and you need to stop it. I wanted to repeat that because it's so important. Because our world is filled with gossipers. Notice Satan's cunning slander. He does not attack directly. Why? Because a direct accusation can be rebuted. By question and by truth. He says, does Job serve God for not? He's saying, look at his wealth, God. Look at his flocks. Look at his herds, his possessions, his perfect family. Anyone will serve you, God, with the perfect benefit package. Anyone will serve God if the price is right. That's what the devil says. There are some who think that they can buy their way to heaven or they can they can buy their, their loved one after they die and get them into heaven and out of hell. That is wrong. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. God is not the author of let's make a deal. Let's get that straight. God is not running a, a divine lottery. You give because you believe in the message and you believe in the master. You're not giving so that you can be, you know, become filthy rich with mammon. You're asking yourself to serve God, not let's make a deal before the throne of God. America needs to hear this. America needs to see a church that serves God in prosperity or in poverty. And in telling you that there is a time coming when the tithes and the offerings will no longer be a tax deductible thing. I see a time, are you hearing me this morning? I see a time coming when the church will be the enemy of the new world order. It is, re, it's reality. And it's really going to be interesting in the near future for those of us who love the Lord. God is waiting. God is waiting from the throne of heaven to see who will serve him in prosperity, and in poverty who will serve him in sickness and in health who will serve him in joy or in sorrow who will serve him for the love not of the lives but unto death who will serve him by hooked on nothing but jesus christ and the authority of god's holy word praise jesus where do you stand satan put his slander in the form of a question, does Job serve God for nothing? He's saying, I know Job belongs to the church. 
I know he pays his tithes. I know he gives to the poor. I know he serves on the elders board. Everything you say, God, is true. But there's that little word, but. But God, take away his mansion, take away his house or his figure, seven figure salary. Take away his Mercedes Benz. Quit feeding him bomb bombs and 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 <laughs> and hell curse you and he will curse you to your face. That was a challenge that de the devil was making to God. Satan was saying, "Look, God, now listen to this. I'm probably going to say this too fast, but listen anyway." He said, look, God, since Job is the best you have to offer and he serves you for a corrupt motive, he's not a good man. And if he's not a good man, then there are no good men at all. He's a hypocrite. There's no goodness on earth. And if there's no goodness on earth, then evil is no longer evil. And my lifestyle is now acceptable, even honorable, because I'm the devil all the time. I'm no hypocrite. Have you ever heard that? That logic? Have you ever heard some foul mouth, immoral scumbag say, I'm no hypocrite? Yes, you mental midget, you are a hypocrite. And let me tell you why you are a hypocrite. Because when you stand before God, God does not have a national national average. God does not go by the Harris poll. Righteousness does not vary from state to state, nation to nation. All, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. God is not going to judge you by the lifestyle of some TV show or some TV evangelist. No, not going to. He's not going to judge you by the lifestyle of, of your preacher, your priest, your pope, or your president. He's going to judge you by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And you're going to Look like a mouse up against a mountain. The only way you can be holy and be righteous is to accept the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he prevailed at Calvary. And when you become his, when you become Jesus Christ's by the blood of the, of the cross, and he becomes yours, and you die, and you will, and you die to yourself, and you become alive in Christ Jesus, hallelujah. Then will all of your filthiness die and you will be made holy because he is holy. Christ almighty is holy before God. You don't have to talk righteousness. You don't have to act righteous. You don't have to wear certain clothes to make you holy. You are holy because Jesus Christ is holy and Jesus Christ dwells within you. Somebody shout amen. That's the only way you'll ever be holy. There are two reactions whenever things go wrong. How many of you have ever had anything go wrong in your life? How many of you are alive? <laughs> I thought I'd get the rest of your hands up. The first are Job's wife. Curse God and die. I don't know if Job's wife was pessimistic or, or, or whether she had just made her last payment on Job's life insurance policy. But that was her, her response. Curse God and die. And Job's reaction was, 
Though God may slay me, I am going to come forth as purest gold. When gold is refined in the fiery furnace of the refinery, it is heated to its absolute apex until it's boiling, and with a fine screen, it is just drained and is drained off until it is perfectly pure gold. Job has said, let the refinery's fire purge me. Let the storms of life assail me. Let the darkness of evil surround me. Put me in the jail and I will sing in the midnight hour. Put me in the lion's den and I will place my head on the lion's belly and rejoice. Put me in the prison and the angel of the Lord will take me out. Take me to the chopping block with Paul and with my last breath I will say I have fought a good fight and I have finished my course. Henceforth there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me, but not to me only, but all of them that love the Lord Jesus Christ. I am standing on Christ. Say that with me. I am standing on Christ. Say it again. I am standing on Christ, the solid rock, Job was saying. I'm standing because the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. Let hell take its best shot. When Satan and his demons are, are locked in the bowels of hell, I'll be standing on the hills of glory shouting and praising my God. I will prevail. I will be victorious. God is God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-nipotent. He is God Almighty, and we should praise his mighty name this morning. Can you give God praise and glory? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Job's great test came unannounced. I mean, I wish God would take an, an ad out in the newspaper and say something like, yay, yay, tomorrow about lunch, all hell will break out in your life, so and so. Get thou prepared. Then tomorrow at lunch, you'd be ready. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. The story of Job proves that Bad things do happen to good people who have no sin in their lives. The Bible says that Job was perfect. The point is that when something bad happens in your life and things come over to you, say, Job, I know it's a demon here coughing this bag. And Job, you were probably never really saved. How were the baptized, Job? What truly only dunked you twice? Well, that's it. You have to go down three times. I don't know who says that, but as if being in water longer makes you holy. If that's true, I know some folks who need to be staked out in the deepest water overnight. There are two books of Job, one written by God and the Holy Spirit, and one written by the Charismatics. And the Charismatics have this philosophy. Job made a ne negative confession, and that was that which I feared has come upon me, and God turned the devil loose on Job. I want to tell you that's wrong. That's dead wrong. Here is the spiritual essence of the theology for the book of Job. Big words this morning. God is sovereign. 
Listen to me, church. God is sovereign. If God is not sovereign, God is not God. That means God controls Satan every minute of every hour of every single day. God controls him. God allowed Satan, but God had him on the end of the leash and never let him go one step further than God would allow him to go. Bad things do happen to, to good people in their lives that they do not understand. You listen to what I'm about to tell you. Sooner or later, if you live for the Lord long enough, you will experience or you will see something that will happen for which you have no understanding. You have no explanation. Your preacher can explain it. You're simply going to have to say, I trust in God. I trust in God. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean upon his, your own understanding. When I was in Georgia, Ron's Aunt Diane used to play, my son, uh, play and sing a song for the church called, We'll Talk It Over in the By and By. We'll talk it over, my Lord and I. I'll ask the reasons and he'll tell me why when we talk it over in the by and by. But I want you to know that some of you are going to carry a headache to the grave and not know the real answer until you talk to Jesus Christ. You're going to have to learn to trust the Lord. And if your belief will not support that, you have a belief that will not stand the storms of this life. Now here comes the first test. A messenger comes into the mansion of Job and he says, Lord Job, a band of thieves has stolen all your sheep and oxen and has murdered all your servants. Only I was spared to come bring you the news. And that's bad news. He lost millions and millions of dollars. Job grabbed his calculator, put in his data. Oh, thousands of sheep left. I have much to be thankful for. Before the messenger could get out of the living room, a second messenger runs in. A fire from God has fallen and, and burned up all of your herds and herdsmen. Only I was escaped to tell you this news. Job says, boy, when it rains and pours, how many of you have ever noticed that? When one thing goes wrong, everything goes wrong. When he starts going downhill, I mean, it all goes downhill. This is a Maalox Monday. How many of you have ever had one of those? Job grabs his computer. Click, 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 click. Assess assets, management. Oh, I still have 3,000 camels to get my products to the market. Job, Master Job, before he could finish his sentence, a third messenger comes in and said, a band of Chaldeans raided your 3,000 camels and ran them off. Now there's no way to get your products to the market of the world. The stock market, Jobin Incorporated, crashed. Whoosh. The bankers are calling in your notes. They put a lien upon your house, Job. You're now in bankruptcy. Job thought, well, I started with nothing. I can start over again. I have seven strong sons and three beautiful daughters. A man, listen to Job, a man whose family is united with God is rich, even if they have nothing. I want you to say that again. 
A man whose family is united in God is rich even if he has nothing. And if you live in a palace of gold and you're not united with God, you live in a prison. I don't care how good the environment is. If there is no unity of God, you live in a hell on earth. I don't care how good the environment If you live without Jesus Christ as your Lord of your house, you will live in a difficult situation the rest of your life. But suddenly in, in, in runs the fourth messenger with the worst news of all. He said, Job, a whirlwind has smitten the home of the, your eldest son, and all of your sons and daughters were eating and drinking, and the house has collapsed, and they are all dead. God spared me the agony of standing by the grave of one of my children. There is no greater tragedy than for a parent to have to bury one of their sons or daughters. But to bury all of them, ten of them, one day is unbelievable, unspeakable tragedy. Who could endure it? Could you? Job's reaction was he ripped his mantle, fell to the ground, screaming in anguish. He walked into the bedroom and looked at their photographs on the wall and cried until there was no more tears to cry. He went to the funeral and stood in the cemetery beside ten caskets, and he did not curse God. The Bible says in all of this, Job did not accuse God foolishly. He did not say so. This is the reward of the righteous. He did not say, So this is what I get for living the holy life. He didn't do that. He didn't say, so if this is how God treats his people, I'm going to live like hell. So what's the use? And some have said that. Some people out there listening to this broadcast has said exactly those words. He said, naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. For the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He praised God in the darkest hour of his life. Some of you that are listening to this broadcast have lost many of your possessions. Some of you sit idly in the evening and and wonder what will become of me or what will become of my wife and I. Some of you have lost some of your children or family, not all of them, but some of them. So I ask you to do what Job did. Do not let bitterness destroy you. Do not let resentment become a cancer that eats at your soul. Lift your hands up to heaven and say, Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this dark valley. I don't know why you've given me this burden to carry. But I know you're too wise to make a mistake. You're too loving to be unkind. And I'm putting my hand in your nail-scarred hand, and I'm letting you lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. My know no limit, and my burden seems unbearable. But somehow God Almighty shall spare me and carry me across the dark moment. I shall yet praise him who is the glory and the giver of my life. 
I shall yet prevail. I shall be victorious because I'm standing on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. There's a poem in closing. It goes like this. God is still on the throne and he still cares for his own. Though trials oppress you and storm clouds depress you, he will never leave you alone. See, God is still on the throne. And he still cares for his own. His promise is true. He'll not forget you. God is still on the throne. Now, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds my tomorrow. And because of that, I can go to hell and back because the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Now, here comes the second test. Satan, the accuser of the brethren, the father of all lies, the roaring lion, the the one who comes to rob, to kill, and destroy comes to God for the second time, and he gets permission to touch Job's health. Please note that. He has to get permission. Job's body was soon covered with boils. From the crown of his head to the soles of his feet, he was covered with pus. Loathsome, painful, putrid, disgusting, smelly, disease that medical science couldn't cure. He left his home and he went to the outskirts of the city and he sat in a dung heap and he scraped the pus off of his body with a piece of broken pottery. His wife saw the ex-Fortune 500 Wall Street tycoon sitting, peeling the boils from his body and she screamed, curse God and die, curse God and die. I'm not sure some of you wouldn't have done the same thing. But Job holds fast. He says, what? Shall we receive good at the hand of the Lord? And shall we not receive that which is not good? Job was saying, God is still a good God. His mercy still endures forever. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known to man. He's saying, God is still my hope. God is still my joy, my refuge, my shield, my reason for living. He is my rock and will not be moved. I understand this, but I will not, I will not fall because God is with me. Say that with me. I will not fall because God is with me and I can endure it. Thank God forever. Can you lift your hands to heaven and give God glory? Praise God. And God returned everything tenfold to Job. If you walk into the home of Job, you will see a righteous man. Life has no meaning. It's lost. It's joy. There's no hope. You're trapped. Life is closing in on you. But I say unto you, based on the authority of God's word and on the life of Job, as long as there is breath in your lungs, there ought to be hope in your soul. Because as long as God is around, he can take what seems to be an impossible according to the message this morning, broken life, and make it whole again. God will make you whole again. He can restore dreams, restore corporations, restore fortunes, restore health. He can bring it all back tenfold hope through god hope thou in god that's what it says hope thou in god he is our anchor he is our refuge he is our fortress 
He is worthy of our praise and glory. In James chapter 5, it says, We count them happy who endure. Say that with me. We count them happy who endure. Some of you that are listening to the sound of my voice, you've lost your health. You've lost some of your children. I say to you and those who are, are right now who are listening to this broadcast, don't quit. Do not give up. Don't give up on your life. You may be brokenhearted. You, your life may seem like it has no direction. But as long, as long as God is anywhere around, nothing is impossible. For nothing is impossible for God. He can restore your broken life to a life of beauty once again. I close with this poem by William Cowper. God's moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps on the sea, and he rides on the storm. Judge not the Lord by your feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a throwing providence is a smiling face. God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your mercy and your grace. I thank you for Job, who shows us how much we can endure if we place our faith in you. I pray, Lord God, that those that are listening to the sound of my voice today will take this message of Job and the power of patience and run with it to the nearest church, hit their knees, and begin to pray. Pray for the blessings of God. You may say, Pastor, I'm going through a great crisis in my life right now. I've lost possessions. Maybe you're broke and busted financially. I've lost my health. My children have lost their way. I'm in an emotional crisis, depression, loneliness, rejection, fear, and anxiety have taken over my life. If that describes you, right where you're sitting, listening to this broadcast, I want you to lift your hand up to God. I don't need to see it. God can see it. I'm going to pray with you in a few seconds that will change your life. How many of you can say, Pastor, I'm guilty of not honoring the Lord with my giving, and I'm not going to ask the Lord to forgive me of that. I need to ask him. Just raise your hand to heaven. Parents and grandparents, how many of you can say, Preacher, I I I'm guilty of not paying not, not praying for my kids and my grandkids. I'm guilty of not having family prayer. I'm guilty of not being the spiritual leader of my family. Okay. Yeah, you can lift your hands. Nobody can see you. As, as, as we pray, you're not going, you're not joining our church. I know that many of you are hurting deep inside for yourself and someone you love. Many of my prayer partners pray constantly for the people on this broadcast they've never seen, they've never heard, they've never met. If ever there was a message from the throne of God to release you from that feeling of hopelessness, it's right now. The Bible says, ask and ye shall receive. Say that with me, ask and ye shall receive. When you walk down the aisle of a church to the altar, 
you pray. Well, right now, make your home your altar. Make your, your bedroom, wherever you're sitting right now, make that your altar, coffee table, whatever. I know as well as my name is Pastor Danport that you desperately need what I've said. And you sitting there saying, I'll write it out somehow. Well, it will all work out somehow. No, it won't. It'll only get worse because you're away from God. I give you this invitation this morning to come to God right now, right where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace this morning, Lord, bringing those that are listening to the sound of my voice that are, are lost, that have, have lost everything. Perhaps you're homeless. Perhaps you're just so far down and out you just can't see up then this prayer is for you say it with me Father I am a sinner I've sinned against you and against others but today after hearing about Job I wish to rededicate my life to you Father forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. And help me, Lord God, help me to love Jesus. I know that Jesus died and was resurrected on the third day. And I believe that in my heart. And I believe through Jesus Christ and the blood of the cross and your grace, I can be saved. I confess my sins before you and ask for your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name, come into my life. Guide me, direct me, the Holy Spirit, that I too will be like Job and say, no, I will not curse God. I will love God as my own, as his heavenly Father. He comes before you. The Holy Spirit is touching your shoulder right now and the healing of your life is beginning as we speak. Now may the Lord bless you, make, make his face to shine upon you until he brings us back once again. God bless you. Find a good Bible-believing church start attending. There are churches out there that are still open like ours. Now with that, once again, God bless you. We love you. Drop us a line. Let us know how you're doing. And pray. Pray always. In season and out. God bless. Bye-bye.